thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Flourish with Elise Comerford, where we hear real stories from everyday people that will encourage and inspire you on your own health journey. Hey everyone, so today we are here with Gemma and she is so generously going to share her story with us. Hey Gemma. Hey, how are you going? Good, how are you? Good. Now I'm really excited to see you today because it's been a little while since we were working together and when I think back to where you were at when we first started and I won't give too much away because you're going to tell us all about that but when I think of where we're at when we first started working together to seeing you now it's such an incredible change. Yeah. Yeah cool. So do you want to share your story with us and we'll start with um, fill us in on where you're at what kind of health issues you were dealing with so um you this is a gap story so not every story on this podcast is a gap story but Gemma's is and so what led you down the path of looking towards doing gaps and what kind of things you tried first so what kind of health issues you were dealing with yeah so where I was at when we yeah so what you kind of been through up until the point where we started working together yeah so I would say that for my whole life I'd never felt well and there'd always been underlying issues that weren't, um, nobody could tell me what was wrong or there was no diagnosis. So that was a long journey. I think when we met, I would have been oh, 29 or, th- yeah, probably 29 or 30. So that had been my life up until that point. And what were the kind of, what were the kind of issues? What were the symptoms? Yeah. What is it that yeah. you're dealing so with? So that had culminated into... Um, probably the sickest I'd ever been and it was severe chronic fatigue where I couldn't even sit up um, with the support of the couch all day Um, as well. By that stage I had definitely resolved my anxiety and depression but that had been chronic prior to then for like 23 years of my life, yeah. Yeah, wow. And so um, so tell us, can you remember the kind of symptoms you have? I just pulled up your notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I won't have to remember. Um, so like so much brain fog, um, lots of muscle aches and pains, just complete fatigue. Like I was saying, like even just being able to sit, I can remember I couldn't carry like a two-litre jug of water from the filter in the laundry to the kitchen. That would just send me back to bed. It's just complete exhaustion. Um, then, like, my gut health was just, you know, just destroyed was what it felt like. So um, constipated all the time, severely bloated, nauseous, um, lots of eczema and itchiness. Um, how am I going? Good, yeah. I'm looking at your notes as you're speaking. Yes, you're covering it. <laughs> cognitive, yeah, cognitive function was really slow, so there'd be lots of headaches. Um, that's what I can remember. And I just remember our first session together, <laughs> you, you could barely get through a session. Yeah. Yeah, which was really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, so for you, it really was that you were in that proper state of chronic fatigue that we hear about with mm-hmm. the pretty much being able to go to the toilet, sometimes make yourself some food, yeah. and that was really it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so you were having a few sleeps a day at that stage? 
Um, I never really slept during the day with chronic fatigue. So I was pretty well educated on the way out of it. Um, so I tried to have a longer night's sleep, but I would have two rests during the day where I would lay down in bed with my eyes closed. I would just make sure I didn't fall asleep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have been resting for maybe like two 45 minute rests a day just to be able to like sit on the couch or sometimes make some food. Yeah. And that meant a lot of time off work for you as well, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I wasn't working at all. I think I was maybe managing a few hours in an online role that I could do from home. Um, yeah. And I can't remember exactly. I don't know if I was working, managing one day a week that was like maybe six or seven hours in an office role where I could go lay out the back when I needed to. I can't remember if I was doing that when we met. Yeah, I think it might have been not long after you'd started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and what led you to finding gaps? So you were kind of going through these issues. You'd been seeing a lot of doctors (laughs) and everything and no one was really getting to the bottom what was going on. So how did you find out about gaps? So I found out about gaps in a, an online group that I was in for chronic fatigue. That was the first time I saw the book back then. I couldn't read because I was still so fatigued. So, but I knew it sounded, it just sounded like common sense. So I bought the book so I could read it as soon as I could read. Then um, I just started working through it and then started making plans to slowly implement things. And I did gaps on my own for maybe three months, maybe like a year or 18 months before I met you. And just on my own and in such a fatigued state, I couldn't make sense of it. So I put it aside and worked with a naturopath on a different strategy for a bit um, and did another program that wasn't right for me either. And then when this all culminated again, so I improved for a bit and then went severely backwards. And then I'd heard you on the podcast and we chatted. And as soon as I had you as a practitioner on board, it was just leaps and bounds with it. So... When we kind of think back, um, can you remember how we kind of started with you? So being yeah. being so unwell, what kind of approach we took? Yeah, extremely slow. Yeah. Like I was surprised how slow. <laughs> like really? That's it? Yeah. Um, and more of, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we started with more of like a full gaps. Yeah. Like, it definitely was an extreme intro. Um, and just, and in saying that it was slow, but I was already not on a, a typical GAPS diet, but I was already on whole foods and like, you know, very high vegetable and meat diet. Um, very slow introducing the fats and just watching and like lots of tweaking every single day. Yeah, there was lots of tweaking. And if I remember correctly, it was about, six months in until you really felt like you're on the right track probably yeah yeah I remember <laughs> early consults. um I can still remember I was sitting out in the garden sky for you and you said if in six months time you felt like 50 percent better or like you know significantly better would this be worth it no one's like oh yes 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 and then that's exactly what happened. So. Yeah, and I think it's a really, really tough part for a lot of people. And I, I think a lot of times when we hear people's gap stories, 
you hear kind of a quick outline of it. Yeah. And sometimes. That you say to me, like, because I said to you, everyone else seems to just improve so quick on gaps. And you're like, oh, everyone says that. And it's just not right, you know. Um, yeah. And the scheme of things is very quick. So. Yeah. So that's when you kind of reflect on it that six months won't seem like much now. Mm-hmm. But at the time when you're battling through every day with all your focus and attention on exactly what's going on with your body the six months feels like an eternity (laughs) yeah for sure yeah and so I think that's really important for a lot of people to really understand with gaps is that you often see some big improvements right at the start you might see some signs okay yes this is feeling good and then we go into that bit of a healing crisis and there can be a bit of time there where you're like, oh, like I'm not really feeling much better here. Things are still really tough and it, and it does really just take time. Um, so especially for people that, were, that are in a position similar to where you were at, Gemma, um, where we did have to take things really, really slowly. Um, mm. And it was full gaps. I don't think we never really went into intro with you. Um, we focused on a very uh, individualized version of full gaps that we did for you because what happened when we tried to get stock in? Yeah, it was not good. It was no. Not fun. Yeah. Um, insane. Like I was crying just from the aches and that was even another level of not being able to get out of bed. So. Yeah, and so for some people – they may just not be ready for the socks and that's what we found with you that you were doing much better without them and that we needed to let your body go through that healing process doing that um that really individualized form of full gaps that we were doing we headed towards keto so really mm-hmm. low in the sugars that keto kind of form of full gaps that we did for you and then that's where we saw um, a lot of positive changes for you mm. So tell us what you've seen change since doing GAPS. Goodness. Um, One of my biggest changes that I knew, like, undeniably that things were getting better is when I first started, the pain I would have of my stomach and the bloating, like wearing any sort of pants that were like jeans or just was not an option. So every day I was in, like, oversized leggings that are like comfortable to begin with but I couldn't even have my size they were bigger just to stop the pain and discomfort and then um it must have been maybe like probably around that six month time like maybe a little bit more that like I was able to get back into jeans and wear normal clothes and just feel good again and it was that is one of the biggest changes for sure yeah and how's your life looking now? Very full. <laughs> I remember the first time you went away on a weekend away, it was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So very full. So um, working across two different roles, which I love, um, exercising lots, socialising heaps, moved out of home, um, have a partner now, just really good friendships, Um and, you know, being able to be that example of, um, you know, what was or like what can work is just amazing. 
Yeah, that's incredible. And it's been so nice to, you know, because we're friends on social media, just to see you put photos up. I'm like, Gemma, she's out doing things. She's got a life. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been a really incredible journey to watch. Mm. Um, so are there any kind of health issues that you're still dealing with at the moment? Yeah, I would say um, that my gut health is still a work in progress. Yeah, It's more like just something humming away in the background and it's not preventing me from doing things and it's not my day and my life isn't planned around that. It just fits into what my day in my life is. Um, and I would say that, that, like, that is probably the main thing I would say. Occasionally, like, if I go over the top with histamines, I'll still get, like, flares with eczema and um, that. But, yeah, definitely not like the past, definitely not. Um, so back when I started when... I would be lucky to be able to manage to leave the house once a week and it would be a struggle. Like it was what I wanted to do, but it certainly didn't come with ease and it wasn't effortless. And now like a standard day for me is I'm up at 5.30, I'm out the door by 7.30, I might not be home till 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night um, and I'm not tired. Like it's just always on the go, always doing things and it's easy. Did you feel like that would ever come? It was so hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah, it just sometimes it can feel like, and this is why I, I was a big goal setter when I was recovering and I would do short-term, medium-term and long-term because it will jump from where I was at and long-term goals was sometimes just unfathomable and I couldn't see how I would bridge that gap. So if it was that I wanted to, like if it was that I wanted to work, a eight or nine hour work day, then I would look at my short term goal would be just moving my sleep routine to be able to be awake at a time that eventually I would need to leave the house. So doing little things like that or just doing a couple of hours a day to eventually get to that stage. Because if I didn't do that, it would have felt like it was impossible. Yeah. And it did feel impossible. Um, but I never, yeah, yeah. I can't say I ever thought with 100% certainty that this is what it would be. So. And so for someone that's sitting there right now listening to this that is in the position you're in, what would be the advice you would give them? Oh, like the question that I always came back to was what's more important than my health and it was always nothing and can you put a price on your health? And that was also like something that I always said no to. So um, it's just about, for me, it was always just about checking my priorities because um, immediate gratification of doing the fun things now or eating the comfort foods or the easier foods or going with the flow now can seem like the easier option or the better option. But in the long term, you're still dealing with these chronic health issues that if you just take the time and prioritise it and um, get it right, then it doesn't have to be part of your life anymore. Like what I was saying before, it just hums away in the background now and won't forever um, rather than it being the lead focus of how my day pans out. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think it's important to, um, to know that as well, that even 
people with amazing healing stories will still say, and there's still things I'm working on, but that's fine because, you know, that's what health, that's what it looks like when you're um, dealing with long-term kind of chronic health issues. Uh, it all takes time and you just chip away at it and it's giving, having patience with yourself and with your body. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so um, the GAPS isn't the only thing that you've done though. And I think it's important, even though I am a GAPS practitioner, but I also do talk about a lot of other things. It, it doesn't just all come down to food. Um, mm-hmm. And so tell us about some of the other things that have been really important for you on this healing journey. Yeah. So I would say the two major pairings for me have absolutely been GAPS. And I tried loads of different other nutrition protocols and none of them worked the way GAPS did. Um, and when I was maybe six or eight months into that, I also did my NLP and hypnosis training as well, so the emotional side. And I'd also tried loads of different emotional healing techniques as well from like therapy to um, coaching and different things. And when I did that, things just dramatically shifted for me. So um, particularly energetically. Um, So the pairing of those two, and I live a very holistic lifestyle, so um, which GAPS is, you know, it takes into account so many different things Um, and emotions are a really big part of that. So, yeah, which was interesting because, like I said, before I started GAPS, I wouldn't have said I had symptoms of anxiety or depression, but there were obviously unresolved negative emotions still in my body and from my past that once I did the work on releasing that had an enormously positive effect. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you mentioned about your goal setting um, and I really like the way you do that. So can you explain that a little bit more and how useful that is for people that are suffering with chronic illnesses, the way they approach things? Yeah, so for me, I was spending a lot of time in bed and um, it's so easy for the mind to wander. And I found I'm quite a visual person, so I made sure that I had visual prompts so that when my mind was wandering, it was wandering to the things that I did want rather than the things I didn't want. Um, So the two main things I did was I created a really big vision board of all the things that were great that I already had in my life and then all the things I was working to create and to bring into my life as well. And that was great purpose too because I would spend just 10 or 15 minutes each day working on that, um, which was something to do that was low energy and good fun. Um, And the other was that I had a whiteboard with my goals on it. So I would set short-term goals, medium-term goals and long-term goals. So that like short-term might have looked like four to six weeks and then medium might have been like eight to 12 weeks and then long-term could have been six months onwards maybe. And they would move and they'd have flexibility too. So I didn't, um, like, become attached to that having to be what I was still working on in a month's time if it wasn't what felt good or what I didn't want anymore. Um, But it was just a general direction I was moving towards. And from that, I then could create intention for each day as well to make sure I was focusing on what I wanted. And it was a good measure because if I wasn't hitting them, well then like what did I need to adjust or what did I need to shift or what did you and I need to talk about um, so that everything that we were doing could be tailored towards achieving or taking into account what was important to me in life as well. I love the way you've done this because it's so beautiful that 
you know, when you're dealing with a chronic health issue and you are, it is keeping you at home, it could be so easy to go the other way and no judgment on people where it has been because um, even for the best of us, it would be so easy to go that other way and feel sorry for yourself because it is tough. Um, yeah, and they're not techniques we're taught. You know, yeah. Deal with a chronic illness and um, being caught in that situation. But there are loads of different little tiny things you can do that completely changes the focus. Like I just made sure I wasn't spending my whole – if I wasn't sleeping or resting, then I wasn't in my bedroom because then I just felt like I was there the whole time. So there's lots of little different things, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of mind over matter for you. You were really determined that this is, wasn't going to be your story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So are there any other tips or any other things you would do that you found were really helpful? Um, outside of gaps, do you mean? Or yeah, yeah. Inside or outside of? Um, I think one of the biggest things, and I do get a lot of people emailing me asking about how I did gaps, was just start. Um, like so many people seem caught up in like, oh, you know, what if I do it wrong or what if I don't do this right or what if I'm not ready or like what if the dial's too much but it's so adaptable and you can change it and you can pull back and you can control all of that. Um, but just start. And I was the same. I was like, oh, I need to have a whole freezer full of meat stocks ready to go and, um, you know, implementing anything is better than implementing nothing. So just starting, I would say. Um, but focusing on what you want and taking accountability and doing the research yourself um, and not putting the power outside of yourself by selecting a practitioner or selecting a protocol and then just blindly following it and waiting for the results. Like take accountability and listen to your body in terms of what's going on and do the research and own the process yourself and um, that took me a lot of time to learn as well. But by the time we would have met, um, if you said something to me that didn't sound good, like I'd talk to you about that and I'd understand it more or we'd shift it a little bit. Um, it's not just like you say I do. And um, I think that's why a lot of us are in health, like a health crisis because we have just blindly followed advice that wasn't right for our bodies. So. Yeah, and no one knows your body better than you do or how something feels better than you yeah. do. Yeah practitioner that recognizes that and doesn't just want to apply their blanket approach or blanket theory is just gold which is what I had with you so that's why one of the big reasons it worked yeah amazing and so you had quite a bit of a support network as well like connection with other people with chronic fatigue so how did that help you um with gaps or well just with your just with your healing with your healing journey yeah I think in the initial stages it was helpful because I had felt like nobody else could possibly be as sick as what I was and I'd seen you know upwards towards 18 different specialists that couldn't give me diagnosis or couldn't tell me what was going on so the solidarity was really great um yeah I would say they were the main benefits of that but I would also say that I did find um great momentum because you know that solidarity and those support groups are wonderful 
but as long as you're still focusing on where you want to go rather than engaging in where you are now and how that compares to other people and just being so mindful of what your measure is of progress and what your measure is of wellness because um, it can be really easy to just look at take the average or take um, like a look around you and accept that that's as good as it's going to get but what do you actually want your experience of health to be? And that comes back to the goals as well. Um, and I think that's the difference between people who recover and people um, who achieve thriving health and who don't because um, they're prepared to stand in their own and to decide what they want and go for it. So Great. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to make because sometimes I do get concerned um, with some groups and see equally the value of them and the value of that solidarity as you said but also that sometimes there can be a subject going around in the group and that everyone starts jumping on and really panicking about for example yeah yeah, metals or parasites or yeah 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 and that actually I have to say that is one of the best things I've found about gaps because it's so to me, like it's just such good common sense, it's so logical and it's so all bases covered that if that ever comes up, I'm like, well, I wouldn't do anything differently anyway. I'm already doing all of it. So yeah. I'm already addressing anything that's there. You know, I live the holistic lifestyle. I get good sleep. I block the blue light from my screens. Um, you know, I get fresh air. I make sure that I'm not exposing myself to toxic environments. I choose my relationships consciously. All of that is part of it. And, you know, that's what I always come back to. Like, you know, it wouldn't really matter what someone told me was going on. I'm already covering the bases by doing gaps and making sure my emotions are uh, where they need to be. Fantastic. And so you said you do get some people emailing you from time to time asking how you healed. So do you find yourself giving a lot of people advice now or helping people with their healing journey? Uh, yeah, definitely. I find in terms of gut health, <laughs> pretty much just send them to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I obviously do a lot of work with emotions as well and I specifically work with chronic fatigue and anxiety now. So um, if it's the right fit and if they feel like they're ready and that it will help them, then, yeah, help them in that way um but lots of just yeah general chatting and sharing of stories happens when you've been through something like this and you are on social media so it's nice it's it's so good um I remember at the very start um when my health did move to a stage where I felt like my whole life was centered around what my health needed and that would have been maybe like 10 years ago I didn't feel like there was that community where you could just ask people like what they'd done or what they'd tried and be referred on and then do your research and decide if it was right for you. And I don't know if that's because I wasn't ready and because um, I wasn't completely accountable and taking responsibility, sort of just dipping my toe in. But I also do think that social media and online programs have progressed a lot since then. Um, But, yeah, I think it's really nice that we've got, access and it's free and all we have to do is have the courage to ask for help so yeah awesome great so thank you so much Demma for sharing your story with us today I know 
I know that one is going to inspire a lot of people because um, when you're in that position, when you aren't leaving your house, when you are really unwell, it can, can sometimes feel like there isn't any hope. And I think that was the thing I was most excited about doing this podcast with Gemma today because you are really a story of hope for those people. Mm, amazing. And you've been a, an enormous part of that. So thank you. My pleasure. And I think, yeah, I, I just, I'm really um, awed by your, your drive and motivation, even in the hardest times of keeping your eyes on the goal and, and what you wanted. Mm-hmm. I just think it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, thanks guys. And we'll be, we'll see you next time with someone else's incredible story. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.